listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. It's a good gospel story to tell during the 12 days of Christmas. Such carefully told story that Luke offers to us here of this baby being taken to the Jerusalem temple 40 days after his birth. There's a kind of a domesticity and a warmth to it. Though running underneath it, there are shades of gray and shadows. Luke is a good and careful storyteller. So we do well to pay attention to the details that he records. Mary and Joseph bring their baby up to the temple where they are met by the aged priest Simeon and the equally aged prophet Anna. So it's a young couple with a newborn baby meeting two elders, a man and a woman. Now, do you see the breadth that Luke wants us to notice? Something is happening here, something that will draw together the young and the aged, men and women. But there's more than that. Simeon is a priest, so he is an officially sanctioned figure within the temple system. Anna is a prophet one whose authority is not granted through bloodlines and lineage or through some process of ordination, but instead her authority is recognized more organically by the community. In the Hebrew Scriptures, there is a priestly role, the place of the temple, but there are always the prophets, the ones who speak truth back into the life of both temple and palace, often challenging both priest and king to live what they actually say they believe. So what Luke wants us to see here is that the baby, the infant, is being greeted by the law, represented by the priest Simeon, and by the prophets, represented by Anna, the two great strands of the Old Testament. So Simeon sees this little family coming, and when they come in, he takes their baby into his arms, and he speaks praise and blessing over him. Lord, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, And for glory to your people, Israel. We call it the Song of Simeon. It's one of my favorite texts in the whole of the Bible. For years I have been praying that song every night before going to sleep. And I do that in the rather more poetic language of the Book of Common Prayer. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. 
I can think of no better words with which to end my day. In fact, over the years, I've had a number of people say they can think of no better words to mark the end of their lives. And so they've asked that the song of Simeon be proclaimed at the very end of their funeral, right before the words of commendation. I have died in peace and in trust, is what that decision says. But do you see the other thing that Luke wants us to notice here in this story? This little family has come to the temple because they need to meet the requirements of the Jewish law. They are devout and observant Jews living according to the law. And right away a priest begins to speak of how this child is for who? For all peoples. A light to lighten the Gentiles as well as the glory of the people Israel. So the circle has just been drawn wider and wider. Old and young, male and female, priest and prophet, Torah and prophetic voice, and now Jew and Gentile. Yet within that circle of light, there is a shadow. It comes in the words that Simeon speaks right after his poetic song of praise. This child, he says, looking at Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. I appreciate how N.T. Wright translates those words. According to Wright, the best translation is... This child has been placed here to make many in Israel fall and rise again for a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be disclosed. Many will fall and rise again, which is, of course, death-resurrection language embedded in this infancy narrative. This light will not only shine, it will reveal challenge, push, and press upon every assumption that the world of its day held dear. And Mary? Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too as you watch him grow up, as you watch him become that sign that will be spoken against. Your heart is going to be broken as only a parent's heart, maybe only a mother's heart, can be broken. So yeah, even in this wide circle of light, Luke shows the shadows already there. He really is a careful storyteller, though I wish there was one more thing he had done. He takes such care to give us the words of the priest Simeon the poetry of the song, and the prose, the hard words that he says to Mary. But Luke offers us nothing really specific of Anna's words. That moment, Luke writes, Anna came, began to praise God, and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. 
and I'd love to know what the words were that she uttered in that praise and what she actually said when she spoke about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. But Luke doesn't quite go there. Why not? Why wouldn't he, given the attention he pays to Simeon? Well, in that world, women often tended to be invisible. Their lives and their words seldom a matter of record by male writers. That Luke pays so much attention to the women in his gospel account, not just in these opening couple of chapters, but all the way through the story he tells, means that the women figured so prominently that he couldn't have ignored them even if he wanted to. And he didn't want to. It also means that he's taken Paul's great proclamation that in Christ there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, pretty much right into his bones. So he does tell the women's stories pretty much into his bones. But oh, how I wish he'd let us hear Anna's words. There are in many, many, if not most, church communities, Anna's. There always have been. Historically, they were often women who had no official role as priests or pastors or preachers or elders because those roles were reserved for men. Yet they were faithful, devout, wise, very much worth paying attention to, and sometimes a bit of a force to be reckoned with. Their authority was not sanctioned by any official role or fancy title, but they had authority all the same. The community recognized it. I remember very well being in a study group discussing this story, this text from Luke, here at All Saints in my days as a university student. The priest talked to us about Anna, And then he asked if anyone could recognize an Anna anywhere in the midst of our congregation. Two of the young women looked at each other and they said together, Oh, Barbara Withers. Barbara Withers, she was this diminutive little lady, then in her late 80s, about this tall. She lived in the apartment block next door, and she'd lived there for decades. She was the first woman ever to become a scripture reader in this church, in worship here. And when she stood at that eagle lectern, they needed to put the extra step in so that she could see up to the Bible. And you can see that her extra step is still sitting there. Out of this gentle little woman boomed a voice of exquisite authority. I loved to hear her read because she loved that Bible so much. But long before she had taken on the role of reader, she'd actually accidentally initiated this church's neighborhood ministry. Accidentally. You see, she loved to garden, but living in that apartment block next door, she had no yard of her own. So she would come over to the church garden 
and spend hours out there pulling weeds and tending to the flowers. The neighborhood children would come to see, to visit with her. Children from the little houses a street over on Good Street or the apartment blocks on Colony or over on Balmoral. Those kids would come and she'd stop gardening and she'd play games with them. And sometimes she'd have them up to her apartment for lemonade and cookies. She decided that if these neighborhood children had nothing better to do than come play with an old lady in a churchyard, then that old lady was going to see about getting her church to offer something better. And this church, this is back in the 60s, this parish church in partnership with Young United down at the corner of Broadway and Furby, initiated a community ministry with eyes particularly on neighborhood children. They found ways to respond to the voice of that Anna in their midst. It's a good thing that they did too, for that was the beginning of something now called West Broadway Youth Outreach, which is a very robust community program for those neighborhood kids. There is a little commemorative plaque on the wall behind the eagle lectern. And that commemorative plaque reads, in memory of Barbara Withers, an unforgotten voice, now silent. I like that. An unforgotten voice, now silent. I like that very much. We have to learn to listen to the Annas, whoever they might be. We have to learn to pay attention to the authority and the wisdom of the voices of the unexpected ones. In an earlier age, they were often, almost always, perhaps, the voices of women. In our own context, who might that be? Who is steadily and faithfully, maybe gently, but maybe restlessly there? whose words and wisdom really should be heard. Who are they? Who is the unforgotten voice, the mighty voice we need to hear before it goes silent? It's all part of the Christmas story. The God's work is so often done through unlikely and unexpected people, starting with Mary and Joseph. God's light is shone upon shepherds in fields and on Gentile outsiders like the Magi. And, thank the good Lord, that light is shone on us here tonight on a cold, cold December night. That nativity light shines. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.